I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, former college professor turned manager in a large corporation turned entrepreneur. And not just any entrepreneur. I've made it my life's work to make organizational life more effective and fulfilling. So welcome to Working Conversations, the podcast where we digest and translate research and ideas on workplace dynamics and serve up to you the most interesting and actionable strategies to make your workplace conversations and your relationships more effective, productive, and influential. If you're looking for proven tools for your workplace toolbox, you're in the right place. Now, let's get after it. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Working Conversations podcast, where we talk all things leadership, business communication, and trends in organizational life. I'm your host, Dr. Janelle Anderson. A few weeks ago, my family and I were on spring break And we left Minneapolis, and after a long day's journey, we got to Cancun in Mexico. And after our flight landed, we had some confusion about finding the ground transportation that we had booked to take us to the resort that we would be staying at for the next week. So that entailed some additional waiting and standing around, and it was very hot, and we hadn't all changed into shorter clothes, summery clothes. We were still wearing sweatshirts and long jeans, and we were hot and kind of grumpy and tired. And we finally made it to our hotel, the resort that we were staying at, where we again had to stand in a long line waiting to get checked in because there were a lot of other people on spring break waiting to get checked in as well. When it was finally our turn to get checked in at the resort, we were asked to walk off to the side and go into an adjacent conference room, which seemed very confusing. In fact, at first, my husband and I thought that they were going to try to sell us a timeshare because it seemed like that sort of a thing was about to happen. But in fact, what turned out is that they had some mechanical issues in the hotel and half of the resort didn't have water in the hotel rooms. And so they had to move us to a different resort that they also owned. So this property group that owned the particular resort that we were going to owned three or four other properties in the general Cancun area. And so they were arranging for us to go stay at one of their other properties, which was very confusing. I mean, remember, we've been traveling all day. We're tired. We're hot. It's very warm there. And now they're telling us there's a problem with our room and they have to book us in a different hotel, which was about 30 minutes away. They booked us instead of in Cancun proper, where we were going to be staying, they booked us in one of their other properties that they owned down on Riviera Maya. So about 30 minutes drive to the South. And they were arranging ground transportation for us to get there. And again, it was very, very confusing and frustrating. And I... Um, a little bit reluctant to say that I was the angry customer in this instance. Uh, my husband and I were both really kind of at the end of our rope. And so today on the podcast, I want to address the idea of dealing with angry customers. Again, I share this example with you to show of a time when I was the angry customer. And there were certainly some things that the resort did okay but I really wish they knew how to better deal with angry customers. I wish that the people dealing with me had this helpful content that I'm about to share with you today on how to deal with angry customers. 
All right. Now, the very first thing to understand when you've got an angry customer on your hands is why they're angry. I also want to point out before I get any further into the content in today's podcast that we all have customers. Now, some of us are dealing with external customers at work in a very truly customer service sense, but others of us, in fact, all of us who have jobs, we have customers, even if they're not external customers, we have internal customers. And at home, we have customers too. Our family members are our customers in a sense. Our spouse, our kids, our parents, etc. Our friends are also our customers. So if you know that uh, a friend stands you up or is very late to show up to lunch with you when you've scheduled that lunch to be at 1 p.m. and they don't show up until 1.20, you could say that's poor customer service. If they don't return your phone calls or your texts in a timely fashion, that could be considered poor customer service. So we all have customers. So even if you're not in a traditional customer service role, this content is definitely relevant to you. But again, the first part is really understanding why people are angry and why people get angry. And I want to go through four different types of everything from aggression to passive behavior, and really look at this on a continuum, if you will, or four different types. So I want to start by looking at four different types of aggression, and this will help us get at the why, why people get angry and why they are angry. And with each of these types, I'll share an example as well. So the first is called instrumental aggression. And this is when somebody is very intentionally using aggressive behavior in a calculating way to try to get what they want. And I'll give you an example of me witnessing this many years ago. In fact, it was so many years ago that cell phones were not common. And if you were staying in a hotel, you likely used the hotel phone. And oftentimes there were charges associated with using the phone in your hotel room. And I remember very, very vividly checking out of a hotel in Palm Beach, Florida, and the person who was checking out ahead of us was upset that there were charges on their bill that they claimed were not phone calls that they had made. So there were charges for a number of phone calls, many phone calls that they were just absolutely adamant that they had not made. And as the conversation ensues, the person who's at the customer, you know, the customer service role, the, the person at the hotel desk trying to check these people out had printed out a list of all the phone calls, the times and dates they were made, the length of the call, and of course the associated charges and was showing this to the customer. And the customer just kept saying, these are not my numbers. I don't know any of these numbers. These are not numbers I would call. I don't even know what these numbers are. And on and on it went. And I would say that this customer was using instrumental aggression. Now, I don't know if they made the calls or not. I don't know if they knew who those phone numbers were belonged to or not, but they wore the customer service person down. They just wore that front desk clerk down by saying over and over, these are not any phone numbers that I'm familiar with. I would never have made these calls. I wouldn't have made this many calls. And on and on it went. And there was no looking for another solution. There was no trying to understand the problem from a different angle. The customer was just getting more and more aggressive. And I really think that their aim was to wear the clerk down. 
and have them erase the charges without getting to the bottom of whether they were their charges or not. Instrumental aggression. The person was using aggressive behavior in a calculating way to get what they want. So that's the first kind to look out for. Now, the second kind of aggression or kind of customer upset, if you will, to watch for is impulsive aggression. This aggression is really on automatic response and it's driven by our emotions. We're having an emotional response to something. We're getting upset. So we're the upset customer, the angry customer, and it is impulsive. We're not being calculating. It is just happening in the moment and our emotions to a certain degree have gotten away from us. Now, this would be the type of aggression or the type of customer that I was when we had to be moved to a different hotel before we even got checked into our hotel room. That aggression or that frustration, the anger that I was experiencing was completely emotionally driven based on being tired, having a long day of travel, being extra warm and in a hot environment and also confused. I mean, there was a language barrier. We were not being communicated with entirely clearly. And again, it was driven by emotions. Now I was, as the customer, trying to contain my emotions to a certain extent and trying to get some control over them because I did feel like I was, you know, perhaps not being as polite as I could be. I was being I was being the angry customer. I could see myself being the angry customer. And in fact, I could see myself so much so that I was almost having one of those out-of-body experiences where I'm watching myself as the actor, the actor, the angry customer in the scene. And from up above, I'm looking down on the situation going like, oh girl, keep yourself in check. Don't make a bad situation even worse than it is already. So that again, that would be an example of impulsive aggression driven by emotions. And I think this is where most of our customer service issues with angry customers come from. The customer is upset or disappointed or frustrated by something. And this is where we find ourselves working with an angry customer, you know, usually impulsive aggression. Now, another type of aggression is passive aggression or passive aggressive behavior. This is when the person's behavior is really ambiguous or unclear. They might give mixed messages. They might use sarcasm or teasing. They might even give you the silent treatment. And I would say you're more often going to experience passive aggressive behavior in an internal customer service role. So it is more likely that an internal colleague would be passive aggressive with you than a client. Although a client or a customer certainly could be passive aggressive. So what's, what does this look like in the workplace? What is an example of passive aggressive behavior? Let's say that people are hanging out in the break room and uh, somebody from a different department walks in and says, oh, I want to work in this department because everybody's always on break in this department. So there's the dig in that comment that those people should be working, you know, the subtext of what's being said. And that's, again, the passive part of the passive aggressive behavior. There's a real zinger, a real biting message, but it's packaged in a way that could be perceived as slightly positive. The person was smiling, they had an upbeat tone of voice. They didn't seem angry, but yet what they said was absolutely scathing. Another example of passive aggressive behavior is often found with the word actually. And in fact, I talk about this in my book, 
head on how to address difficult conversations directly. The word actually is so often passive aggressive. So for example, a colleague might say to you, oh, thanks so much for getting that report to the team. That report was actually really useful. (laughs) As if to suggest that everything else that you produce is not useful. That report was actually really useful. So when we're dealing with passive aggressive behavior, it's a little bit more nuanced and it's harder to address and uh, from a customer service standpoint, but just something to watch out for. Now, the fourth type of on this scale of aggression is really not aggressive at all. It's completely passive behavior. And so this passive behavior avoids expressing their true thoughts. The person doesn't share their feelings, doesn't share their opinions or their needs. They let other people speak first. They agree with everyone else. And, you know, this is the person who's saying, again, from an internal customer service standpoint, they're going to be saying like, oh, it doesn't really matter. I'll take whatever time slots available after everybody else chooses. Whatever it is, they're going to go last. They're avoiding stepping up and taking responsibility for anything. And whatever it is that your agenda is, they're just going to take a back seat and play that passive role. Now, I have a great example of this, which recently happened with uh, somebody that I knew in a dating relationship. And the person who I know in this dyad, in this couple, is somebody who is very outgoing and gregarious and has a lot of ideas and sometimes strong-willed opinions and so forth. And this other person that they had been dating a little bit was very passive. And when they would be together with an extended group of friends, it was the friends who noticed, hey, this person never speaks up. This person never seems to have an opinion. This person just kind of goes along with what everybody else is doing. And after further examination, the person who was dating that person was like, yeah, I know. Doesn't seem to have much of a personality. Doesn't seem to really speak up for themselves. Doesn't have an opinion. And as somebody who's very opinionated and takes a stand on things, well, it just wasn't going to work out. Which is actually probably the best outcome of all, rather than staying in a relationship for a long time with a passive person and then feeling frustrated by it later. This episode is made possible by Instacart. If you haven't already started using Instacart, now is the time, my friend. Now, I'm the first one to say that I actually enjoy a trip to the grocery store. I really do. But you know what I like doing even better? Making this podcast. When I was deep in the development of this podcast, outlining and recording the first few episodes, my kids reminded me that they needed to eat. Instacart to the rescue. In absolutely record time, Magnolia, my Instacart shopper that day, delivered chicken nuggets, milk, avocados, fresh berries, and a host of other groceries we needed. When life gets busy, or when you just want to feel like royalty and have someone do it for you, there's Instacart. Get $10 off your first order when you sign up at workingconversations.com forward slash Instacart. Now, back to the show. All right, so there you have it, these four different types of angry customers. You've got the instrumental aggression, the person who's using anger in a very calculated way. You've got the impulsive aggression, which is, I think, where most customer service problems when we're dealing with external customers come from. This is an automatic response driven by emotions. Typically, something has gone wrong and they're having an emotional reaction in relation to it. 
Then we've got passive aggressive, number three, which we're giving a lot of mixed messages. Again, I think this happens more often in internal customer service. And then passive behavior, which avoids sharing any true thoughts, feelings, opinions, or otherwise. So let's say that you are delivering some sort of customer service and you find yourself with an angry customer. So the very first thing you need to do is figure out which one of these you have on your hands. Is it an instrumental aggression, impulsive aggression, passive aggression, or passive behavior? Because you're going to deal with each one of them just a little bit differently. Now, the very first thing you're going to do, regardless of which of those four it is, is listen and listen really deeply. Make sure that you understand the problem. There is nothing worse than being the upset customer and having somebody solve the wrong problem. So... (laughs) absolutely get clear on what the problem is. You might even state the problem back to the customer so that you're both in unequivocal terms in agreement on what the issue is that needs to be solved. So we're going to listen deeply. Now, I want you to also listen with more than just your ears. And what I mean by that is two things. I want you to listen by silencing your mind. So don't be problem solving as the person's explaining the problem because there's a good chance you're not going to be then deeply listening and there's an awfully good chance that you might solve the wrong problem. So you want to deeply listen by quieting your mind first so that you're absolutely focused on your customer. Then another thing that you can do is you can listen with your whole body and you can mirror back their behavior in your communication back to them. I call this the five T's and I teach this in a lot of my communication programs. So the five T's, and this is about mirroring the behavior of others. Now, you're always going to use a light touch if you're going to mirror the behavior of others back to them. What you're going to do is you're going to pick up on some aspect of their communication and you're going to deliver that back to them, but in a very, very subtle way. Now, when human beings are in rapport with one another, we naturally mirror one another. We have what's called mirror neurons in our brain, a part of our brain in the prefrontal cortex, called the central medial prefrontal cortex, in fact, is going to uh, naturally kick in, again, when we are in rapport with somebody, and we are going to naturally be mirroring their behavior. So if we're having coffee and they reach for their coffee cup, we're probably going to reach for our coffee cup at just about the same time. If we're in a restaurant eating dinner, and the other person reaches for their napkin to wipe the crumbs off their mouth. Even if we don't have crumbs on our mouth, we are maybe very naturally going to pick up our napkin and dab at our face as well at at roughly the same time. And again, we human beings do that when we are naturally in rapport with one another. So we can prime the pump, if you will, by mirroring the other person's behavior to help quickly establish rapport with them when they are upset. So of the, so I call this the five T's. I've got five different ways you can do this. They all start with T. The first one is temperament. So if you've got an angry customer who's upset and their temperament is very high and intense, you want to match that intensity. Now, I also want to talk here about valence. Valence goes from positive to negative. Negative is obviously angry. Positive is more, you know, happy or upbeat. And then you can also think of neutral. You can think of this as a continuum from positive to negative. So your angry customer is going to be high temperament and negative. You're going to take a a stance that is high temperament and neutral. You're probably not going to go positive on them because that might just feel off. But so if they're up here angry, you're going to be up here neutral, saying something like, oh, that must be so frustrating for you. 
And then you're going to naturally bring the conversation down to a register where you'd like to hold the conversation. You're going to mirror them for just a couple of seconds. Oh, I'm so sorry that you got caught off when you called earlier to try to have this problem resolved. Let me see what I can do to help you. So you see, you match the temperament, not the valence. You're not going to match the anger. And then you're going to bring that down into a register where you want to hold the conversation. All right. So that's your first T, temperament. T number two is your tone, your tone of voice. When you match the other person's tone of voice, they feel heard. They feel understood. There are a couple of exceptions here. You're not going to match somebody's tone if they're condescending. You're not going to match somebody's tone if they're rude. But if they have a, let's say, uh, excited tone to them, you might match that excitement just a bit. And then again, bring it down to where you want to hold the conversation. So that's your second T is tone. Your third T is tempo. Some people are fast talkers like I tend to be, and other people are more slow and measured talkers. And so if you tend to be a fast talker like I am, and you realize that the customer service situation you're in is including somebody else who is a slower talker, well, then you're going to want to slow yourself down a bit. Now, you don't want to slow yourself down so much that the other person feels like you're insulting them. (laughs) Absolutely not. But you do want to slow yourself down just a bit. And likewise, if you tend to be a slower talker and have a more measured pace and you realize you're in a conversation with somebody who is a faster talker, you might want to just amp up the tempo just a little bit. So that's number three, tempo. Number four, terminology. Listen for the terms that the other person is using and try to match those terms. So maybe there's an acronym that they're using. You're going to want to use that acronym back, of course, provided you know what that acronym is and that that acronym is the right word or the right term to describe the thing that you're talking about. So if they have a particular set of words that they're using, again, using some of those words, maybe not repeating verbatim everything they say, but picking up on a few key words and phrases and using those yourself will make the other person feel heard and understood in that situation. And then finally, our fifth T is tacit messages. So these are our nonverbal communication, like our gestures that we can see. And if somebody has their legs crossed in a certain way, or is holding their pen or pencil in a certain way, or has their head tilted in a particular posture, that would be something that you might want to try to intentionally mirror. Again, you're not going to do it for a very long time and you're not going to do it in a way that makes the other person feel that you're making fun of them or that you're being creepy. This is going to be a light touch. In fact, a light touch across all of the five T's, but particularly with tacit messages. Now, let me share just a quick example of a time when I had fallen into rapport with somebody and I was mirroring their behavior. I was a guest speaker at a group's senior leadership retreat. And in the morning on the particular day that I was speaking, the team, this group of senior leaders had sexual harassment training that was led by their human resources team and their legal team. Then they had a lunch break. And after lunch, I came in and delivered my program on difficult conversations tailored to situations of sexual harassment. You could maybe guess that they had some problems in that department that they were trying to have some new tools to deal with. 
Anyway, I got there during their lunch break and the person who was going to introduce me was one of their senior leaders that I had never met before. And as she and I started talking, uh, because we, we were introduced and they said, uh, Janelle, this is the person who's going to be introducing you when you take the stage uh, shortly. So we thought the two of you should meet and, you know, get a chance to get to know each other a little bit. So as we were visiting, I noticed myself having this, what I could only call an out-of-body experience. I could see my hand gesturing. I could see my hand coming up and tucking my hair behind my ears on my right side. I was tucking my hair. Now, if you've ever seen me present, you know that I have a a somewhat, I, I like to think of it as a fairly natural look to my hair, but I do have a little bit of hairspray just over each of the ears because otherwise my long bangs will fall in my face while I'm speaking or really anytime. And so there's just a little bit of hairspray there holding everything in place. And I'm watching myself tuck my hair behind my ear. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? You're going to mess up your hairspray. And you're going to be speaking in front of this group all afternoon. Your hair's going to be falling in your eyes if you're not careful. What in the world are you doing? And then I noticed the woman I was talking to. She had a chin-length bob that she liked to have tucked behind her ears. And it would not stay tucked. She was a tucker. And she was using her left hand to tuck. She was holding some papers and books in her right hand. And she was using her left hand, tuck, tuck, tuck. And I was standing directly across from her. So my right hand was mirroring her left hand and I was tucking my hair on the right side of my head. Now, once I realized I was doing it, I thought like, wow, that's actually kind of cool. We are in rapport in this moment. This is a good, and it really was. It was a very pleasant conversation where we were getting to know each other and I was enjoying the conversation. So it wasn't surprising that I was naturally mirroring her tacit messages, her nonverbal communication, because it was great. You know, it was a a very pleasant conversation. I was enjoying it very much. Right. So those are your five T's and you can use those in a customer service situation to mirror the behavior of the angry customer. Again, you're not going to go angry with them, but you're going to mirror either their number one temperament, number two tone, three tempo, four terminology, or five tacit messages. And this will help establish some rapport between you and the angry customer so that you're on the same page. And hopefully you're establishing some sense of agreement throughout the exchange where you're using these five T's. Now, that should help move the conversation to a place where you can now do some actual problem solving and solve whatever their problem is. If you've listened intently, you've defined the problem together or shared the problem back with them just to make sure you understand what it is. And now you've done some mirroring behavior. You should, again, be in rapport. So now you can bring your best thinking to the table to come up with the solutions. Now, I don't know what exactly what your solutions are because I don't know exactly what your customer service problem is, but by all means, you could always shoot it off to me uh, in a DM on Instagram or Facebook or send me an email and I'd be happy to help troubleshoot your customer service problem. But in the meantime, I hope these tools help you troubleshoot the customer service problems that you encounter. I want to encourage you to use the tools that we've discussed today to diagnose why they're angry and then address that customer service issue by listening, deeply, deeply listening, and then mirroring when it's appropriate. And again, using a very light touch, most often it will be appropriate for you to mirror their behavior, to establish rapport, to de-escalate the situation to a place where you can come up with creative and innovative solutions that are going to satisfy that customer. And maybe in fact, 
make a customer for life out of them because you resolve the problem to their satisfaction. If you enjoy the Working Conversations podcast, please go to your podcast provider, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google, Spotify, or some other service, and give us a five-star review. Be sure to leave a comment. It really helps other listeners find the podcast when you leave a review with a comment. And I thank you in advance. Until next time, be well. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head on over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars and a quick review. It really makes a difference and it keeps us bringing you valuable content that you can put into play in your life. I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, and this is Working Conversations.